Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where I would love for you to turn your Bibles to. Guys, last week we started off on a series, uh, or two weeks ago we kicked off a series called Mission, and, and it's an initiative to, to study our, our mission statement here at our church and understand it in a biblical perspective. And, and last week we talked about uh, multiply. We started going through the briefs, right? We gotta have good briefings if we're gonna accomplish our mission. And, and we talked about this idea of multiply and multiplication being the key word uh, because really it entrusts the mission with every believer. It entrusts every believer with the mission to be accomplished, right? Because multiplication is what? As simply as we put it, repeated addition, right? And so we have to have people repeating the addition, right? Having to have multiple people repeating the addition. And so, so the, the main takeaway for you guys last week was ultimately disciple one and repeat, right? Thank you. You, you, you know my heart language, just hearing and remembering, right? So, so this week, we're going to be looking at the next key word in our mission, and that is the word faithful. Can we say that together? One, two, three. Faithful. Guys, that's such a beautiful word, isn't it? We love it. It's beautiful, yet it's what's happening to that word. It's becoming more and more rare, Right? Much more rare. They don't, they don't make things like they used to back in, the, um, back in the, the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, do they? No, marriages, they don't make them like they used to. Refrigerators, they don't make them like they used to. How many of you still own a refrigerator from 1980 or 1990? Yep, go figure. How am I not surprised? Right, so they were made to last. Like, you know that new movie by the Marvels that's coming about out called The Eternals? It's about your refrigerators from the 90s. <laughs> Guys, we have, an, so, so like refrigerators today are actually made to last seven to nine years. And then you gotta replace them, right? We, we moved into our house, which it came with this really fancy French door GE refrigerator, right? This beautiful thing. And it broke down the, earlier this year. And, and we bought a new one. We bought a new one to put in there. Um, and, and already, that was a few months ago, already it's having issues keeping temperature in the refrigerator. Now, I do need to put a subnote to that. It might be because I almost lost my refrigerator out of the back of my truck going I, I-64. But that might, that's a story for another day, okay? In other words, just don't ask me to pack you up and move you. <laughs> But if my refrigerator's having problems, does that mean that I can just shoo it off and say, ah, it works most of the time? Can I, can I do that? Is that okay? Like, it works most of the time. No, because we have food in there that can perish, and I have to feed my children, right? So we have to make sure our refrigerators are keeping up and are acting faithfully. What about your car? If your car decides that it's just going to start once out of every five or six times, is that a faithful car? No. No, especially if you've got your wife and kids in it and they're on a trip somewhere and they're trying to get back. Or, for example, you're trying to go propose to your wife up on I-64 and the Buick LeSabre 1998 breaks down while you've already proposed and you're trying to get back to surprise your bride-to-be for a family dinner. That's actually what happened when I proposed to my wife up there. Long story, different day. We'll talk about it later. No, you have to have a faithful car. 
What about if you decide you're only going to, you're going to skip work like maybe three to four days a month, and you're like, ah, I don't feel like it today. Are you a faithful employee? Nah. No. What about the, the loan payments you have on your house, or your mortgage, or, or your car, right? If the bank said, oh, eight out of, 10, uh, eight out of 12 payments a year ain't so bad, you're, 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 you're a faithful payer. No, no, they're going to possess that junk. You're going to be homeless and carless, right? No, there's a need for faithfulness in so many things that's required of us, that's expected of us. But not only that, we expect faithfulness in so many things. I expected the projectors to work just fine this morning, but I spent 30 minutes trying to get them working this morning. Were they faithful? No. <laughs> Can't tell if I have any bitterness there, do you? We expect faithfulness in so many things. You expect your pew to be faithfully holding you up the remainder of this time. Do we not? We have all these expectations of faithfulness on things outside of us, but do we hold ourselves to the same level of expectation when it comes to our own faithfulness? Or is our faithfulness subjected to our circumstances or other people? I ask this because, yes, the next word in our mission is faithful. We need to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about what faithful means and and what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. But we're also going to discover today just how vital faithfulness is in us to accomplish this mission. So today we're asking some questions. What is faithfulness and why and how is faithfulness so vital to the accomplishment of our mission? So hopefully you're already in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, if you're not there yet, that's fine. I'm going to give some context for it. 2 Timothy is, is a, a Pauline letter. It's written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. And, and Timothy is Paul's quote-unquote child in the faith, right? And, and, and he entrusts a lot to Timothy and passes along a lot of ministry to him. This is his second letter to him. And Paul is writing this from a prison cell in Rome. And he's writing to his son in the faith. This is almost like last words from a father to a son. So this letter is full of encouragements, full of warnings, full of exhortations and convictions. Now, we also know that Paul did go get, or Timothy did get to go see Paul uh, in, in Rome, but, but we see this documented last words. And, and in chapter two, he starts off with a, a verse that could probably, you should be memorizing, but also could deserve its own series on. Let's start reading in verse one. Our main verse is gonna be verse two. To Timothy, he says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the word of the Lord. So we've got two encouragements here. The first one in verse one deals with, hey, source your strength in life in the grace of God. Derive everything about your energy and power and strength from God's grace alone. The second encouragement is for Timothy 
to entrust what he heard from Paul, which we know is the message of the gospel, the good deposit that he refers to in chapter one. Take that message that he also spoke about and shared in the presence of many witnesses, many people around him. Take that message, take what you heard and entrust it to faithful men and women. Entrust it to faithful men and women. First off, let's just think about the word entrust, right? Entrust itself. It means to commit something to another for safekeeping and preservation and care. So earlier this week, my youngest child, my three-year-old son, Isaac, started preschool. Started preschool for the first time. My last child is already in school. No wonder I have gray hairs and balding. And, and so we, we, we dropped them off at the preschool. The preschool is actually the one that's starting, that started up here last week. It's not one that we're administrating, but we're hosting it for Appalachian Christian School. And it's, it, it's a good program. I encourage you to check into it. But, um, but we dropped them off on, uh, I dropped them off on Tuesday morning and, and I didn't recognize anybody who was there. I didn't recognize the other kids that were with him. I didn't recognize uh, the, 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 the leader, the, the, the teacher there. Um, her name was Pam. She seemed very nice. Uh, I was entrusting my own flesh and blood, my three-year-old son, to someone else who I didn't know, who I'd never met before. What did you think I wanted to know most about that person who was taking care of my son for the next four hours? What do you think I wanted to know? Do you think I wanted to know uh, how rich they were, how big their bank accounts were? Did you, did you think I wanted to know whether or not they had a doctorate degree in education and whatnot? Did you, did you think I wanted to know anything like that? No, what did I want to know? I wanted to know if she was reliable, if she could be trusted, trustworthy, Can they be trusted? Are they good? I I didn't know. I didn't have a clue who they were. I could only assume that the, the school did their homework, right? And yet Paul here is saying, take this precious, this powerful gospel and entrust it. Pass it along. In the same way I wanted to know the character of that teacher who is watching my son and their faithfulness. What does Paul say we need to do in entrusting the gospel to? We need to entrust the gospel along to who? Faithful men and women. Guys, there's a generic Greek word here. It's anthropos, which actually refers to both men and women. And so, so these faithful men and women are to be responsible for passing along the gospel to other people. So ironically enough, you you can see the the sense of what? Multiplication happening in this verse, right? You can see repeated addition happening here. You had Paul to Timothy, right? And then Timothy was to pass it along to faithful men and women who they themselves were to pass it along to others also. So we already have a sense of multiplication happening in 2 Timothy 2. I swore the math lesson was over last week, but I had to recover. Repeated addition. 
But what character trait does Paul put the emphasis on as integral to the multiplication movement? Is it powerful? Is it charismatic? No. Faithful. It's faithful. Guys, if, if a, a movement of multiplying disciples could ever be ordered up in the, in the divine shopping room of heaven, packed up, shipped down here from the divine mailroom of heaven, it would come with a label on it in big, bold letters, faithfulness required. Faithfulness required. Why? Well, the only way that we can understand why is to really understand what. What is faithfulness? What do we mean by faithfulness? So, so what's cool is like the Old Testament concept of faithfulness. That Hebrew word is closely related to another Hebrew word, hamen, which sounds like what? Amen. It, that's truth. Yes, we agree that is true. Faithfulness and amen are similar. In the same way, the New Testament Greek uh, holds kind of two understandings of, of the word faithful or faithfulness. Both deal with the person's character or the thing's character. And, and, and again, we're gonna have a little bit of a Greek lesson here. There's the active voice and the passive voice in the Greek. And remember, passive is something that I'm not actively doing. I'm just kind of, it's, a, it's kind of adjectival about me. It's descriptive of me. It's something that I'm receiving. Active means I'm doing, right? So, so in the first sense, there's this passive understanding of the word faithfulness or faithful, meaning it's characteristic of it's not something that they're doing, it's something that they are. They are faithful. So when we talk about it in this sense, faithfulness is that quality that kind of just elicits belief. It elicits trust. It means that that thing that is described as faithful is worth trusting in. It's reliable, it's steady, it's unshakable. So we see this word faithful in this understanding described of all sorts of things and people, right? So we see things described as, as faithful. For example, several times in Paul's letters to Timothy, he says, this saying is trustworthy or it's faithful, it's true, it's reliable. You can see in the book of Psalms, they refer to the pillars in the temple as faithful. Imagine if these pillars decided not to be faithful one day. Hope we wouldn't be in here at that time. We see in Exodus 17, right? So you remember the, the battle of Amalekites. They were, Israel was fighting against Amalekites and Joshua was, was leading the campaign and Moses with Aaron and Hur goes up on the hill next to the valley and, and as long as Moses held up his staff, Joshua and the Israelites would prevail but if he put his hands down, the Amalekites would prevail. So he kept his hands up, but he kept getting weary and tired. And so you know what they did? They grabbed a big old stone, put it right there. Aaron, Moses sat on it. Aaron and her on each side held up his hands so that his hands could remain faithful or steady, that they would be sure because so much depended upon it. 
Now, of course, not only are hands and sayings and pillars described as faithful, we see God himself is abounding with it. He is abounding in faithfulness, even when you and I are completely faithless, right? In fact, Jesus himself has a name in Revelation, and it's faithful and true. That's what Jesus is called. He is faithful and true, and his words are the same, faithful and true. Now, it turns out, though, Several times in scripture, we see people referred to as this, as faithful. It's like, oh, it can happen. Okay, we, had, we saw Moses, but didn't he murder a dude? We saw Paul, wasn't he persecuting the church? We got some other guys, Tychicus, Epaphras, Onesimus, Silvanus, apparently all the us's. Right? Individuals who were called faithful in scripture. And, and, and just as God requested, you see it in Exodus 18, where, where the leaders who were going to be appointed into leadership, those men had to be qualified in faithfulness. The same way that these people here in 2 Timothy 2 have to be qualified in faithfulness. They have to be trustworthy. They have to be reliable. They have to be unshakable men and women. Guys, that's, that's not all they must be when it comes to this mission. There's a second part. Remember the passive that we just talked about? It's describing somebody's character and their faithfulness. They're reliable. We've got a second sense of the word faithful and it has more of an active sense to it, which, which means that they are actively trusting. They are actively believing in. So when somebody's described as faithful, that doesn't just mean their character, they're, they're reliable people. That also means that they're full of faith. It means that they're believing in something, they're trusting in something. Which is why Christians are called what? Believers. Because we have a faith. And that's what defines us. You see in scripture that Abraham is said to be the first man in the Bible who was actively believing God. We see that in, in Genesis 15, uh, God had just made some pretty outrageous promises to Abraham, right? Uh, promises that even though he had, like, he was just super old, right? He, could, he was going to have a son, and that son was going to bear a lot of offspring. It's pretty outrageous, pretty crazy. But then Genesis 15, 6 says, Abraham actively believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness, Guys, Abraham was full of active faith in Yahweh, trusting in God's promise, even when he couldn't see anything. Which is why you and I, by God's grace, can walk by faith and not by sight. Guys, our faith, it's what we believe and brothers and sisters, I gotta tell you what makes us so radically different than all the rest of the world is not what we do, it is what we are actively believing. I don't know about, 
many religions, but I only found one that believes a dead guy came back to life and conquered the world with it. That's pretty radical. That's what makes our faith so different is we share this one faith, which is the faith. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves us from our sin and restores us back to life with God forever through the death and resurrection of Jesus alone. Because that's what we're actively to be believing, that the righteousness that restores us back to God can't be bought by our good works or our obedience. It comes simply by active faith. Believing in Jesus' perfect accomplishment alone. Guys, that active faith, this kind of faith, sets us apart from the rest of the world. It shapes the culture uh, in the relationships that exist between one of us, each of us, and, and it shapes the purpose of our lives. So we've got these two senses where we've got being described as someone who is faithful or reliable, steady, trustworthy. We've got this other sense where it's somebody, man, they're, they're really, the world's chaos around that person, but man, they're trusting God. They are full of faith. Guys, can you see how vast and how beautiful faithfulness is? Guys, someone who is trustworthy and reliable and one who is actively resting all of their faith in Jesus. So, so let's bring this, right, these, this concept of faithfulness and let's just, let's just push it into our mission. Let's, let's understand why, why we're saying that we want faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We want faithful followers. I mean, why, why didn't we say, oh, we want to multiply powerful followers of Jesus Christ? Why didn't we say that? Or why didn't we say, oh, we want to multiply loving followers of Jesus Christ? Or why didn't we say, we want to multiply relevant followers of Jesus Christ? I mean, there's all sorts of adjectives we could have used. Why on earth would it be faithful? Well, first off, let's just dissect those real quick. If we were to say multiplying powerful followers, obviously we're talking about a spiritual power that comes from God by his grace. And how do we receive grace? By faith. So faith is the origin of that sort of thing. Why not not relevant Christians? Why not relevant followers? Because aren't we supposed to be called not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed above it? And how are we transformed? By faith. How do we know what to love people is and what it means if we're not to see it in the very faith that we're holding on to and believing in? Guys, faithful is the word. The reason Paul uses it in 2 Timothy 2 and the same reason we have it in our mission, they're, they're both the same. It's because multiplication needs faithful men and women full of faith. Multiplication requires it. It needs it. Multiplication of disciples, people being saved, lost people being found, rides on the backs and in the hearts of those who are faithful and full of faith. Men and women who are characteristically faithful and are full of believing the right things, full of believing truth. So you can see that both, both voices 
of this, both voices in the sense where it's active and passive. They're loyal, they're faithful, and they're believing, they're trusting. As we desperately need men and women who are faithful and full of faith. Especially starting with the little things in life. With the little things. And I don't mean to demean these things as if they are simply little in of themselves, but compared to eternity, yeah. Faithful in your finances. Faithful in your job. Faithful as a husband and a wife. Faithful as a father, as a mother. Faithful mechanics. Faithful lawyers. Faithful line workers. Faithful cashiers. Faithful retirees. Faithful families. Guys, Jesus himself said in Luke 16, if you are faithful, whoever is faithful in little can be entrusted with much, right? Whoever is faithful in very little is also very faithful in much. So being, being faithful in the little things, be faithful there. And who knows what the Lord might entrust with you? More eternal things, like someone's soul, If I can be honest, I mean, how else will the gospel be carried into the community around us and into the generations to come if it's not by people who are believing firmly that gospel? Guys, multiplication rides in the hearts of faithful men and women full of faith. So if, if this is true, if it is true that, that multiplication rides in the hearts and words of faithful men and women full of faith, then wouldn't that then explain why faithfulness is the very thing that's under attack these days? Faithfulness in church leaders, members, pastors, theologians, denominations. Guys, didn't I say faithfulness was getting more and more rare these days? I wasn't just simply referring to the appliances running in your kitchen. It's getting more and more rare in the church. And and if I can be honest, it's getting more and more rare in the American church. Now, the things I'm about to say, I think, are necessary, but they're not easy. But I'm trying to prove the point as to why faithfulness is so vital, showing you why then it's so under attack. Guys, we have, we have Christian pastors who are celebritized and then later discovered to be Abusive, narcissistic, angry, or better yet, wrathful, alcoholics, adulterers, pastors. We have recently Christian apologists and college leaders 
who are discovered to be hiding deep sexual morality. We have whole denominations abandoning this as the authority over all they believe and how they perceive the world. Whole denominations walking away from this. We have a generation of young Christians going through a process called deconstruction where they take their faith and they pull it apart and they put it back together. And sometimes it's healthy. Sometimes there's rules and traditions and things that we've grown up with that aren't even biblical. So don't get me wrong, but there are most often it happens to where they deconstruct their faith and when they rebuild it, it's nowhere near this. It's nowhere near the gospel. As being faithful in this faith is the very thing that's under attack. And if you keep your eye on the news long enough, it's gonna seem like the enemy's winning. But I just have to tell you, this is nothing new. It may seem new, but it's not. Proverbs 20, verse six, King Solomon himself, the wisest man in all the world says, many a man boasts of their own steadfast love or their own faithfulness, but a faithful man who can find? Jeremiah, the prophet, goes before the Lord and says, God, your eyes are searching for faithfulness in all the earth. Lord, don't your eyes look for it? Don't you see it anywhere? Several times, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you have little faith. Why didn't you believe? He also says in chapter 16, he says, if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? Because I, I, I say all of this not from a position of I'm up on the hill and all of these things are happening below me and I'm just smug. I don't, I don't mean it like that. I don't mean to say it in that way. I definitely don't say all of this from a place of perfection. Guys, if, if you were to live long enough with me, if you were to move into my house and, and live long enough with me, you'd find out, wait, this guy's our pastor? Really? I hope you weren't expecting a, a perfect pastor. But guys, I can't tell you how many times over and over again, I'm on my knees before the Lord confessing my unfaithfulness to God. I'm, I'm often confronted with it. I'm often finding unfaithfulness within me. So guys, I'll, I'll set some spiritual goals and give up on them in a few weeks.
or just ignore them. I'll start some projects only to see them never finished. I'll make some promises to God and not keep them. There are times where I forget God's word and I'm believing things that are wrong. I've had literally one week where I'm in this passionate, prayerful pursuit of Jesus and it's one of the most vibrant times and then the next week, I'm not even thinking about him. Because I see my unfaithfulness. It's ever before me. And if there's ever one thing that I want to see developed in me, it's faithfulness. It's not charisma, it's not leadership skills, it's not preaching ability. faithfulness and that's the the one thing that seems to be so far out of reach I keep asking for it to see God's grace sufficiently supply it and then I just ignore the grace question I'm often confronted by my own unfaithfulness the Lord shows it to me and that's kind of him my question is do you see yours just I'm not trying to be critical just pause and think about it I mean, just look at the last week. Have, have you been faithful in everything that God's commanded you? In everything that God's commanded us? Have we been faithful, reliable with it? Have, 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 we, been, have we been faithful to making disciples? Have we? Have, have we been faithful when the trials come upon us? Or, or are we more like, thrown about by it like a wave tossed in the ocean. And our beliefs are so unsteady. We're believing God confidently one day and doubting him the next. Or maybe, maybe you find within yourself that one moment you can be calm, cool, steady, collected. And then the very next moment something triggers and you're just intensely angry, upheaved. Or maybe you've just been in this really prolonged season of wrestling with doubt and depression, not trusting. And you're having little faith in what is actually true. 
I mean, do you, do, you, do you make commitments to Jesus Sunday morning and totally forget them on Monday? So if that's you, or if you're seeing unfaithfulness in you in different ways, Would you just come and meet with me at the foot of the cross? Because it's people like us that Jesus gave his life for. It's people like you and me who who just don't have everything together, who can't seem to be perfect. It's, it's the life that he laid down was for us who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. It's for us who, who are brokenhearted over our own unfaithfulness. Guys, wasn't Jesus' invitation to come? Wasn't it issued to those who are weary and heavy burdened and he'd give us what? Rest. Wasn't it issued to those who are weary and heavy burdened by a yoke of perfection that's only crushing them? Guys, the gospel, the good news of salvation and forgiveness is exactly for people like you and me. When we see our unfaithfulness, you know what? No, Jesus is faithful. When I can't keep my word, goodness, Jesus has and will forever. Guys, Jesus, he sees our unfaithfulness perfectly. And I don't say that to like make us feel like he's this eye in the sky and we should fear him and hide from him. No, no, it should make us in awe of him because when he sees our unfaithfulness, he stands there ready with fresh grace and mercy to pour over our souls and say, you're forgiven. I still love you. You're, not, uh, you're, you're mine forever and I'm not gonna lose you. Can we praise God for the gospel that Jesus laid his life down for you and me? His forgiveness is ours. His righteousness is ours. And so if, if this all is just simply placing a burden of perfection on you, that's not what I intend. That's not at the heart of the gospel. You know what is at the heart of the gospel? He's, he's not demanding perfect faithfulness from us. He offers progress and faithfulness to us. You understand how different that is? He's not, he's not this, this smug guy waiting up in heaven for us to become faithful. Like, just get your act together. I'm tired of this. You're annoying me. No, you know what he does? He comes and he wipes your tears and says, I know you're brokenhearted over this. Come on, I'll just walk with you. We'll go into our, my character. You'll see me develop me in you more and more as we just look to the cross and we look to faith and we trust in this gospel. Jesus doesn't demand perfect faithfulness. He offers it because he fulfilled the demand. He was truly perfect in all ways. 
And so what this means is that we ought to take Hebrews 4.16 as the invitation for us. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, we simply receive this by faith. By trusting that he's going to do it. By trusting that he is doing it. So I just want to ask you this. Can we agree that we long to be a faithful people? That we would be faithful to the Lord, our God. That we'd be faithful to being with him. To be faithful in following him wherever he's going to lead us. To be faithful in sharing his gospel even when it becomes outlawed or banned. Are we going to be faithful? Do we want to be faithful in our church's unique mission? I say all of this because that, I, think, I think we're all agreed. Yeah, that's what we want. I, we so desperately want that. But how do we get there? It's not going to be my muscling it up and doing it in your own strength. No, it's going to be a matter of transformation, which means we simply receive it by faith believing that God can and will do the work of transforming us into the image of he who is the faithful and true. So at this time, uh, we're actually gonna close out the service in a little different of a way. And my, my aim wasn't necessarily to just crush well, it wasn't to crush at all. It was, it was to see if the Lord would convict and, and show us our unfaithfulness and then cause us to run to the mercy and grace of God. And so my hope and my prayer this morning would be that we would respond with running to him, that we would trust in him. And, and the way that that's gonna work is we're gonna, we're gonna have a time where we're gonna open up the, 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 the altar up here, the, the, the kneeling place, and, and we're gonna come and we're gonna pray. If you've been convicted about your own unfaithfulness, whether that's your reliability or if that's a lack of faith and a doubt, either way, I, I wanna invite you to come and, and, and maybe you have to confess some things to the Lord on your own. But we're also going to have leaders up here and they already know who they are and, and they're gonna come up and they're gonna pray over you if you would desire them. But our the, the whole premise of this is just simply, we're gonna, we're gonna run to the throne of grace prayerfully and we're gonna ask him for help. Ask him for faithfulness. And, and while we do that, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be singing a song that's called Give Me Faith. And, and you don't have to sing it if you don't, Know it, if you do know it, would love for you to sing along, but it's designed to just simply be a, a prayer between ourselves and the Lord. Um, but at this time, I would just ask that you would either bow your heads and close your eyes where you are, or, or if you wanna come forward and be prayed over, now would be the time to come. But let's approach the throne of grace for help in time of need now. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.